Hey, everybody, and welcome to Product Happy Hour, where you can go to happy hour, hey, with a puppy, <laughs> with a puppy and with your favorite product people, that is us in your sweatpants. We are product folks here to share what we've learned off in the hard way over great drinks. Why happy hour? Why not? It's the best way to get the inside scoop from grizzled bets with the scars to prove it. Thanks for giving us a listen. The best ways you can help us keep this party going is to head to our Substack page and subscribe at ProductHappyHour.com. Paid subscriptions help minimize ads on the show. It's either $5 a month or $30 a year. That's literally one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year to keep this sucker going. Finally, please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts for easy listening anywhere anytime with me as always Azira Joe Hall hey Yura hi everyone we have a tactical question today for today's episode and good tactics make predictable outcomes and what PM doesn't like a predictable outcome you know Yura if they exist I haven't met them let's <laughs> roll into today's topic which is a listener submitted question from a true friend of the pod Russell Rogers one of my old co-workers hey Russell Again, hey, Russell, again, great questions. Uh, Russell asks, what makes for a well-written epic? Uh, there are lots of ways to slice this onion, but we're going to share what's been effective for us. First, we will review what an epic is, the components of a well-written one, and how to tell if yours needs a little work. But before we dive in, let's play our favorite drinking game, What's That Drink? Ira, what drink do we have today? Well... It's fall, y'all. Do you say that in Texas? I don't think yeah. you say it here. <laughs> it's like a staple of my vocabulary, y'all. I can't well, stop saying it. <laughs> From now until March, all my coffee will be Irish and all my wine will be mulled. And no, I don't care if it's a work day. I don't care if we're recording a pod. I don't care if I'm driving. No, I do care if I'm driving. But today I have mulled Merlot. And yes, in true happy hour form, um, this is not my first one. What beer do you have? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're, we're deep in. All right. Great. Uh, well, nice. We're going through reruns again today. I got a lot of beer in my fridge and I got to get rid of it. So today we are bringing back the Carbach Love Street Blonde made by Carbach. Oh, you can see it. it's nice. Got a nice blonde color there. And this is the can. It's made out of Carbach brewing in houston texas it's a uh, kolsch style brew so light and refreshing which is definitely my speed definitely love that stuff okay we have our drinks we have our topic but we're missing our drinking game era what do you think about drinking on the word story or stories for today's mahini <laughs> dude i know the getting... dog likes it yeah we're gonna get sloshed and he's gonna watch um we're gonna be saying these words a lot uh yeah i hope we're up to the task man uh, i think so if not i mean i think that's a good word did you count how many times it was in our script already uh i did not but i bet it's i bet it's epic <laughs> so <did> it. <laughs> All right. it's gonna be a tricky one but i think we can make it let's dive right in shall we Let's go. I love the dog, but I just don't have the lifestyle or the space for it. You know, like it's 
I get used to it too. I, I mean, it's good exercise. Honestly, it's a good way to get out of the house. Um, My steps are way up. Yeah, they they do that. <laughs> but so is my cortisol. That's also true. It's also problematic. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's uh let's talk about let's talk about epics, huh? Yes. Um maybe it would be helpful to just talk through, well, what is an epic? <laughs> so, yeah, maybe let's start like there. a good place to start. Yeah, yeah sure. Let's go. An epic is from the school of agile methodologies. At a high level, it's not that deep. It's really mostly about organization. Um, organization is meant to help us communicate our thoughts to those who need to understand our thoughts. This is namely engineers, designers, and marketing. The definition of an epic can vary depending on your implementation. And there are two main schools of thought here. The first uh, is that epic, an epic is a project. We don't call it that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's uh, it, it can represent a project. Um, in this application, epics are containers for a solution development initiative large enough to require analysis, definition of a minimal viable product, and financial approval prior to implementation. Um, another way of thinking of this is that an epic is usually a body of work that takes longer than a sprint to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that's usually re- uh, in reference to the second school of thought. And that is that epics are basically a click above stories. They're like, they basically are kind of like in uh, like capsules for uh, for larger projects, and the stories ladder up into that. Um, how do you use them, Mira? Yeah, I, I'm definitely in camp number two, um, where epics are kind of more of an organization piece um, to organize stories. Um, and if you, uh, for our listeners that are out there, um, this podcast, you could use this information for either one, but I think it would be useful for us to kind of share the most popular school of thought, which is definitely the second group where it's kind of like an organizational piece, but it's best to check in with um, how your engineers and stakeholders kind of like to organize projects and kind of follow that suit. So, you know, take what resonates, take what works for your job and, and leave what doesn't. But my teams um, have been set up uh, with school too. Um, and engine, this is kind of the way my engineers like to use Jira. Um, and that's where epics are containers for user stories. And, and there are some key things, um, that you need to do to make this work. Okay. Yeah. Same here. I think school of thought number two is probably the best way to, to approach this. Uh, so going down that path, let's define the epic more clearly for listeners An epic, um, can be a little concepty. So um, let's let's define a little bit further. An epic is an umbrella for stories. And in Jira, you can pump these epics in your backlog and label them with the project name, uh, which is the level right above stories. Epics in this forum likely will span multiple teams, multiple sprints, uh, like we mentioned, uh, but the stories all ladder up to the same epic. Yeah, so you'll know your epic is complete also when the acceptance criteria is met. And we've said stories like five times now. We have. Drake. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Ah. I'm going to keep the pause so you guys can hear me chugging beer in the background. <laughs> That's going to sit real well later. Um, okay. Let's jump into the parts of an epic now. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's go. 
Okay. Okay. So an epic has three main parts. Um, first, a title and a narrative, which is like when you hear the word narrative, don't think dissertation. Narrative. It's short. It's a little tiny description of what the feature should do, who it should cover, and, and why. Um, the second thing um, is acceptance criteria. Um, and I kind of mentioned that earlier. It's the list of like itemized requirements that elaborate exactly what's going to be built. Um, I kind of boil this down. Like if it doesn't do X, then you do not pass go. You do not collect $200. That's acceptance criteria. <laughs> there, yeah, there might be like a myriad of ways in which you can achieve X, but it has to achieve X or we don't call it done. So that's, you know, um, a very important component. And number three or the last component is a handy dandy label. And I say handy dandy because you're going to have epics everywhere and you want to know if that epic rolls up to like which project or which initiative. So having labels will group your epics. And if you're doing anything more than these three things, uh, you should just be linking out to your documentation. Like don't overcomplicate it. It's not some core competence. No one is going to ask you this in your PM interview. It's just supposed to help you. Yep, 100%. An epic is really not the place for you to articulate your strategy. It's really meant to tie together stories that represent work for a large or extra large body of work the team is trying to complete. It's really tactical. Showing what the strategy is is helpful, but Jira and other tools like it are pretty bad for really understanding the full breadth of a strategy. Plus, things tend to get lost in Jira or whatever you're using, so it's just not the right place all around to house things like strategy. It's better to have them in a document that you can then link to an yeah. epic that people can refer to. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. Um, I think it might be worthwhile giving an example. Um, so this is a quick one. Um, this is a real project I worked on. Um, it was called Inventory Insights. It was when I was at eBay. Um, and you know, there's nothing proprietary about this, but I think it is really illustrative of, of how to build an epic. Basically, we had this project where we wanted to make it easy for people to list their junk. Um, and we thought one way to make it easier was by giving them insights during the listing process. So they wouldn't waste time like, oh, I'm going to sell um, this cup of mulled wine because it was drank by a celebrity who writes a podcast and publishes it every week. Uh, we didn't want them to waste time like researching like uh, the brand, color, size, like what to list it at, how to price it. Um, so essentially, we started this project and it was called the five minute listing. It should never take you more than five minutes to list this beautiful mulled wine mug. Um, and all my epics were labeled with that project, five minute listing. And then they laddered up into this initiative called Inventory Insights. And yeah, my epics didn't explain why five minute listings were important or go into the risks associated uh, with a project or, you know, even what the initiative was. Um, the epics were just labeled five minute listing flow and the epics themselves were titled. So um, I'll get, this is probably helpful for you to grok like the granularity of this epic. So remember our project is five minute listing. Our first epic is recommend a price. Um, the second epic was titled pre-fill item facts like color and brand. And the third epic was reduce photo upload time. 
So each one had like a who, what, and why um, this specific thing in the description field. And it had some acceptance criteria, like bam, like it's very easy for you to tell how these epics might ladder up into this five minute uh, listing project and how the stories for like shortening photo upload would be very different than the stories about predicting the right price would be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great example. I think I've actually experienced some of the features from the five minute listing flow listing nice. stuff on eBay. So uh, that's, that's neat. Um, yeah. I think this is a great example. So getting back to the, the main question a bit, how did you know if these were actually well-written epics? Yeah, that's a good question. And I actually like that Russell asked this because anyone can write an epic, um, but not everyone can move to execution from an epic. And so I think a couple characteristics uh, of a well-written epic from my experience is, first of all, who's going to be turning these over? Are these epics like go-to-marketing epics or are they actually build epics or are they design epics? Um, if they have, if those people who are going to turn them over have a bunch of questions related to the what it's not a great epic um any other pointers i love that one and there's actually the day that we do a documentation podcast mm -hmm. um is probably where we would reiterate this yeah and it's it's a sign of great documentation in general if people don't have tons of questions after reading it then you did a good job if yeah. they do then it's not very good Right. And um, that's so I, I definitely like uh, love the idea of of using that for epics as well. Um, so lots of questions about epics are unhealthy, mm -hmm. um, but scope and trade off combos about the stories. That's kind of expected. Yeah. I would say another way to gauge if your epic is well written is if it easily classifies new stories that pop up. Uh, if it's vague um your new stories might have multiple epics and that means that the executable chunks aren't clear enough yeah 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 that that's a good one um i like that way to pressure test because inevitably what happens everybody is you go in yeah the epic has made it onto the sprint um people are you know hacking away at these stories and then you're like oh shit we need this other story <laughs> We need this other thing. Like we can't just uh, improve upload speed for photos um, with these key services. Uh, we also need to build a data store. You need to build a data store. That's a new story. But if you come, if you come to sprint planning with that new story, build a data store and you don't know where it goes uh, or it's not easily tied into that epic, uh, it's not going to actually it's not healthy because it's not serving its purpose, which is to organize the work um, into these like kind of very obvious classifications. Uh, what are some of the ways that you kind of like decide the epic scope? Because I know Russell didn't explicitly ask this, but you can have like, is it okay to have like 50 million stories in an epic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I found this graphic for, um, breaking this down pretty helpful and I'll, I'll try to embed it in the, in the video and, and uh, link out to the article that, that actually you, you shared with me as we were preparing for the pod. Mm -hmm. um, and so what it basically talks about is like, okay, you have your strategy, there's themes in your strategy. So there's like theme X, Y, Z in your strategy. 
Um, and then from those themes in the strategy, there's initiatives that come up, right? Like you mm-hmm. work with your team on brainstorming and, and you come up with different initiatives that you're going to be working through. Those initiatives ladder up to the themes. The themes might cross on these different initiatives. So your initiative might have multiple themes that it's working against, but the epics are part of these initiatives. Like, and, and maybe a different way of thinking about it is like you have initiative one, initiative two, mm-hmm. and within initiative one and initiative two, you have some smaller things that the team can do. And those are captured in stories it takes like a sprinter sprint or less. But if they're longer than a sprint, they take multiple sprints to execute on, then that goes into an epic. So okay. um, that's probably a way to think about it from like a top-down perspective. Mm-hmm. And then from a bottom-up perspective, it's really about like, okay, cool. If we can do this in a sprint or less, great story works. But if this is really going to take multiple sprints, then I can see it just a natural conversation coming out with the team that's basically just like, all right, this needs to convert into an epic. Smaller components can be represented with the story. But the larger components are represented by epics. That makes sense. Yeah, super interesting. Actually, I think this visual would be helpful for our readers. We'll definitely our listeners will definitely link it. My takeaway is you have to gauge from a bottoms up and a top down approach. Okay, that's a really solid takeaway. Um, and I think the acceptance criteria piece it really needs to be written um, such that we can evaluate if we're moving towards our goal. Like. To be very explicit, if my epic was um, uh, speed up the photo upload process when you're creating a listing and the story specifically is like build a data store that can cache photos quickly so it's not lagging, um, I need to be able to see the clear connection between people uploading their photos faster and getting to a five minute listing. Does that make right? Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes things don't neatly fit into these buckets. So mm-hmm. you do have to make some judgment calls. Okay. Um, and also really highly depends on what your team prefers. So, you know, that'll get factored in as you iterate. Uh, and it's highly tactical. Like mm-hmm. this is really, um, this is very different than like our strategy podcast, for example. Yep. Yep. This is very like you're executing. This is literally just a way to organize when you're executing. Uh, so you know, don't overthink it. It's very, you know, very, very much straightforward. So why don't we summarize epics, shall we? Let's uh, bring it home. Okay. Here are the key takeaways. Um, Don't read a bunch of articles about epics. They're really not that serious. In general, it's just a container of stories. Um, and you'll be able to quickly gauge whether they're effective um, based on how your engineers, designers, or PMMs react to these epics. Do they have a ton of questions about the what we're doing? Ooh, that's probably a signal that you don't have a well-written one. Also, all, most epics have three components. They have a title uh, and a narrative. They have acceptance criteria. And they have a label so you can click them up into these higher level themes. And last but not least, you should always pressure test your epics against your top-down strategy and your bottom-up team needs. And I think that's it. Boom. We did it. We did. Well, Russell and anybody else that's interested, uh, we hope you answered your question about what makes a well-written epic. 
let us know if you have any comments or additional questions. Uh, we're happy to do what we can to answer any questions you might have. And uh, that'll do it. All right. Uh, I think it's that time of the show, right? It is that time. It's that time of the show. <laughs> Where we talk about cool product things. Cool product oh, things. Man. You made me do a theme song. Wow. <laughs> this uh this this beer is really kicking in. Okay. <laughs> For the uninitiated, cool product things is where we talk about a cool product thing we found in the wild that represents a key product concept. Ira, it's my turn this week, yeah? It is your turn. All right. Well, this week I brought the heat. We're going to talk about the iPhone Pro line. Ooh. Not just, not just <laughs> because I bought a new iPhone. 4 oh my God, biased. <laughs> totally biased. Um, but this is really about the Pro line product strategy that okay. has been in the works for some time. Okay, so hear me out. Okay. Um, so... I don't work at Apple, so I don't know for sure if this is the way that they thought about the product line strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but reading the tea leaves a bit, little bit, the pro line's strategic intention seems to be to attract a certain type of pro customer. Now, usually that pro customer in our minds means someone that wants the latest shit, new chip, new screen, let's yeah, go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, maybe that was true, especially at the beginning with like iPhone 10, maybe even 10s. You could make that case, um, but like from probably iPhone 11 and beyond, it does seem like Apple seems to have a grander vision, especially as evidenced by this latest update. Their strategy seems to be about providing pro tools to create photography and videography that is as good as if not better than the best cameras out there, which is trippy. Yeah. I mean, these cameras, like I have one, mm -hmm. uh, I have a mirrorless camera, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it's big. It has big lenses. <clears throat> a lot of photographers in the world shoot on it. It's a Fuji X-T3, so top of the line um, in a lot of cases. It shoots amazing photos. But now my iPhone 14 Pro has more megapixels in it in the sensor than that pro level camera. I cannot things that they're using oh my God. to shoot incredible like natural geographic shit. I like I know we have to expect a level of like um you know one upmanship each release, but this is like a whole new game, right? Yeah. It's a completely new game and it's a different game. And it uh what's what I think is super fascinating about it is that um, when looking at it from a customer perspective, when you take a look at the iPhone Pro relative to having like a mirrorless camera, um, it competes. It's actually a strong competitor. In mm. fact, in a lot of ways, it's better. It competes on convenience. It's always with me. It's always in my pocket. So mm -hmm. I never have to search for, you know, where my camera is and attach a lens and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it competes on price. A $1,600 mirrorless camera with, 600 to a thousand dollar lenses a pop um i'm gonna have to buy a phone anyway which yeah. is already gonna run me at seven to eight hundred dollars 
So combined, just buying the iPhone Pro is cheaper than me buying a mirrorless camera and just my normal phone. Oh my God. Um, so, I mean, they have a beat. Like, I definitely know people that are giving up their mirrorless camera as a result. I mean, I'm, I think I'm done. I think this is it. Wow. So, uh, you know, I think this is a new frontier and that Apple is looking to dominate and appears to be succeeding as evidenced by my badass new phone. Um, so I think my mirrorless camera is getting retired. How crazy is that? Uh, yeah. Consider yourself like acquired. <laughs> I don't know if you would consider this like a cost savings, but like the way you couched it, it's basically saying like, you have rendered a very expensive piece of equipment unnecessary to achieve the thing that you want to do and it's convenient it's convenient it goes in your pocket you don't need to like look like a tourist every time you go out you just whip your phone out um dude so crazy i had my doubts at first when they first started doing it but um now with this latest update i'm like oh shit okay it's actually happening they're actually doing it which is just wild so sold it's a cool product thing for this week that was brilliant and guess what What? that's a wrap oh we did it we did it thank you as always everybody listening for joining us for product happy hour if you enjoyed happy hour today Please support us by subscribing at our website, ProductHappyHour.com. There are two options, $5 a month and $30 a year for one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year. Uh, You can help keep this party going and keep ads off the pod. Thank you in advance for your support. You can also support the show by following the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, whatever random podcast app you're using. Uh, please also rate the show on your platform of choice. Really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram or TikTok for clips at Product Happy HR. And please share with your friends and spread the word. The more people at the bar, the merrier. And thank you so much for listening to the show. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.